Who do you think is like the funnest team? You're just waiting for us to say Vancouver, and I don't want to give you that. <laughs> See, I was going to say Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give it to her, though. <laughs> I was also... Don't, Kelsey. Don't do it. I was also thinking... Don't. Don't. The Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Where's My Stick? My name is Christy. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Danielle. So to start the podcast, we felt it was appropriate that I do it because (laughs) the first topic of the day is kind of just, you know, the ending of the playoffs and the results. So if you guys don't know, I'm here to tell you that Tampa beat the Stars in six games. The last game they defeated the Stars 2-0. And yeah, that's pretty much it. The Stanley Cup is over. Tampa finally wins one. Now we don't have and all that stuff. So, yeah. Thoughts? They might be choking after the celebrations that they've been having down in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just, like, a steady decline. Like, first they did, like, the boat party or whatever. And it was really cute, like, having them on the boats and stuff. But then when they kind of, like, got off the boat, that's when things kind of got a little messy. And, I mean, I feel like any team would have done the same thing. So, like, it's not specifically towards Tampa, but I still think Tampa should have not done it. (laughs) I don't don't know if I agree. I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like because it's in Florida – And the way Florida has kind of handled COVID has given, gives people credence and whatever to feel like, yeah, whatever. If our governor says that we can do whatever, there's no face mask required, then he thinks it's COVID's over, COVID's over. But I just think it's so weird because you guys literally spent two months in a bubble. Yeah. Uh, like with masks like having all this protection and then there were zero cases and then you're just like the second that you can you're just like yes let's just all drink from the cup which is gross pre-covid so during covid is even more gross so no that (laughs) makes sense yeah I just thought it was like really gross and it kind of was like I was so happy that they won and then to see them do that I was just like kind of made it a little icky for me but I'm still happy that they won just wish they didn't celebrate like that and then Victor Hedman won the consmite well deserved well deserved I thought it could have gone to like like almost anyone well those four people like Vassy, Cooch, Point and Hedman so like whoever they picked I wouldn't have said I wouldn't have been angry about it at one point, I don't know, I don't think it was during the final, but um, during some other series, I had the thought, I was like, Yanni Gord is really going to win the Smythe when he, like, kept scoring. <laughs> but obviously he didn't, went to, went to Victor Hedman. Um, yeah, what, is there anything specific that you think made this year different to other years, like in their play, or was it just right place, right time? I guess they had to be in a bubble for it to work out for them. Um, 
I don't know if like the season played out and they had different matchups, if it would have been different. But I do think they were so embarrassed last season. Like, they were so embarrassed. And I know people make jokes about it. And like during the NHL awards, like Cooch and Vassy were just not feeling it. So I guess they kind of had like a little chip on their shoulder. But during the season, you can still like the first kind of couple of months, you could still see how like they were still shaking that off. And then they kind of found their stride towards the middle of the season. But yeah, I'm just happy that it finally happened. So like they have that whole narrative like off of them. Because now in the off season, they're going to have to trade some guys. And I already have my picks on who they should trade. So I'm happy they got the cup so that they could get rid of <laughs> some people so that they could sign Sergeyev. <laughs> and then um, they did it without Steven Samkos, except for that, like, two minutes and 40 seconds that he was on the ice. You know, 100%. Um, what's it, like, shooting percentage? Like, first shot went <laughs> in. And then he was just like... Sorry, boys, I have to go. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you yeah. Know, I'm just really, really happy that they won. Now, all I need is the Jets to win. And you'll have the, the trifecta. Yes. Did uh, happiness uh, all around. Yeah. Did, I didn't see, I don't know if this usually comes out, like, once the celebrations have sort of weaned down. Were there, like, an enormous number of injuries for Tampa? Do we know yet or not so much? Nothing like official, but Cooch and Cooch, Hedman, and Point were all injured at some point during the playoffs. (laughs) And Stamkos. I think at some point I'm just like, yeah, at some point I'm just like, everyone's hurt. And this is a nightmare, but this is what we're doing. Because on the other side, Dallas was dealing with quite a few scary injuries. Um, What did, do we have any thoughts on? Dallas's play in the final they were kind of quiet I mean I thought it was I thought it was closer than it kind of like I thought it was close but then not really like the first game I got really nervous because it didn't look like Tampa could do anything (laughs) Tampa (laughs) could do anything but yeah I I thought they played really well like their goal um who Anton Hudobin was really well Mm -hmm. Um, Sagan was playing well, but he wasn't getting any points or any goals, which sucked for him. And I felt bad for him. But I thought they played like as well as they could have played with that roster and with that system. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I um, I I mean, full disclosure, I don't watch the stars enough as much as I should. But I was really surprised at how explosive of a playoffs um Jamie Ben was having I thought that he was really like stepping up and making making stuff happen which I don't know I just look at his face and I'm like you don't do anything (laughs) (laughs) sometimes he really doesn't (laughs) like sometimes it's just like why (laughs) and he's not as fast as he used to be and like yeah, but you know who did have a really good playoffs for the stars? Jamie Alexiak. Oh, <gasps> he did. Yes. <gasps> Noted X-Pen. Imagine if they kept him. Imagine. 
What? Huh. We just got like a draft pick for him, right? The Penguins. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a draft pick that oh. we traded for That's him. Say. Like literally, they just brought him up to like rehabilitate him, and then we're like, okay, we got you this defenseman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think. It would have been more exciting if, like, they were actually in their respective cities because yeah. I think both teams kind of worked hard to get the fan base that they do have. So that kind of sucks that they weren't, like, each city wasn't able to kind of experience that with them. But yeah, that's that on that. So all of that being said, what were our thoughts on, like, the playoffs as a whole, bubble life as a whole? I know some somewhat disturbing information about the bubble life has come out. So recently, Emily Kaplan, she came out with an article on the life in the bubble. And there were kind of some good things that players had to say and kind of some not so good things. So one of the main points that players um, were kind of driving was that they felt really, really safe in the bubble, how they were getting tested regularly, they were seeing doctors regularly, that sort of stuff. But then they kind of also spoke on the emotional toll of the bubble because you're in isolation, you're doing the playoffs, and you're being away from your families and loved ones for about two months if you went all the way. And that's really stressful. And then some some not so good things about the NHL kind of came out. So a lot of players felt that they were kind of duped. So one player said it just felt to a lot of players that they made all these promises to get us there and they didn't really want to follow through with them. And it just made it as hard as they possibly could to get these things. It's just annoying. That's what it is. Um, one of the main things that players come I don't want to say complained, but one of the main things that players had gripes with is that the NHLPA and the NHL agreed that families could join by the conference finals. But when that time actually came, it was really, really hard for families to join. They, the NHL couldn't get government exemptions, with, which prevented any non-Canadian family members to join them in the bubble. Or families, they couldn't get on... They couldn't use commercial flights. So if you were go- coming into the bubble, you had to use a private private airline or you had to drive in, which some of these players can't afford, even though they make millions. Like, that's still not cheap. Um, and then when it came to, like, recreational activities, there wasn't much for players to do. The NHL kind of promised them all these different amenities and some hotels had some amenities but not all hotels had everything that was promised um and then when talking about like what players would do for fun and drugs and alcohol and stuff guys would kind of just take weed gummies and then they would have like wine and beer and stuff but one player described it as not not like hey let's go get high as shit and do nothing all day it was more for recovery and to fall asleep after a game so instead of falling asleep at 5 a.m., guys would fall asleep at 1 a.m. so they could get about seven hours of sleep. So that was Emily Kaplan's article, kind of in a nutshell. And then Gary Bettman recently, he said that 
I was in a bubble for three weeks. We had we have 150 staff between the two bubbles. Overwhelmingly, the players thought the experience was well done. I saw that story. And it's unfortunate that somebody, meaning a journalist, so-called, would find that an appropriate story to tell. If you got criticisms, put their names on it. So what are your thoughts on, one, the article, and then Bettman's kind of response to said article? I mean, the players themselves said that they, you know, felt safe in the bubble and that they think that the bubble, you know, did its job. So I I think that Bettman is like trying to focus on that. And it's true. But that doesn't mean that they can't have complaints because, you know, he said he thought that he said that the players thought that the experience was well done. And, yeah, they can think that and still be like, OK, but you still, you know, sold us a bill of goods and didn't deliver. And I mean, I think the detail that like they had to pay for like a bunch of their own like hotel stuff was in was so absurd like I did not ever imagine that that was going to happen like what did what did the NHLPA do (laughs) if you can't get a per diem or like charge it to the NHL like what (laughs) I think the NHL sold the NHLPA on things so that the NHLPA could sell it on the players Mm. like so I don't think they knew that it was going to be like that either. Like, I think for the Edmonton bubble, like the hotel, there was like an underground walk where you can walk from the hotel to the arena. And like for certain players, like depending on where your like meeting rooms and your hotel rooms are, like some players didn't even see the outside like light for days. And like if they wanted to, they would have to go to this like prison courtyard, <laughs> which I just love the name of that. Um, and I think like, I have like, like I a part of me feels really bad because like if you're someone who has like depression or you know anxiety like I mean they're in a pandemic too and like you know there's some people that can't be with their families and if you're just like isolated in your room and then like the only time you talk to other people are when you're playing hockey and then when you're not you have to go back to your room or and then like it's been like going on for months and months and like as you get into the playoffs, like, they barely had days off. Like, there were some times when, like, I think every series had back-to-backs. So, like, they're exhausted, and then you're not, like, seeing the sun on top of that. And then you're thinking in your back of your head, okay, fine, I get to this point and my family can come. And then you're, and then they're just like, no, they can't. I just feel bad for them. Like, I, I know it's, like, weird to feel bad for millionaires, but, like, it was pretty shitty. Because you look at it this, like, Gary Batman, the NHL did have no COVID, like no positive tests in the bubble, which is great. But then like if you're a hockey player and you're looking at the NBA bubble and their family's there and you see them going on boats and like going and golfing and doing all this crazy stuff. I know it was like probably worse in Edmonton than Toronto, but like that you got to feel kind of shitty. Like I'd be pissed too. Like I get it. And I mean, I don't think any of these players were like man fuck the NHL they were just like yeah it was kind of shitty and then here's Gary Bedman being like I want names and numbers like who said this and it's just like oh my gosh dude like it's okay for them to have opinions yeah and I also feel like they should be taking this criticism and taking it seriously because like COVID is not going away so if you want to have a season next season that is covid free because you look at the nf nfl and they're like slowly getting covid cases so if you wanted to do like a bubble again to kind of make sure that we can play the full season 
you can't do that now because the players aren't going to agree because players have lived through it. And they're going to be like, no, no, it was, I would just go to the rink and then go to the room and have crappy room service. So why would I, that I have to again? pay for, right? Right. <laughs> I, like, they even I have went, cables. I mean, in Edmonton, probably not. But like, it's crazy to think like when we were talking about this, this bubble even happening for the playoffs, like I never thought that like the regular season in 21, I guess it's 2021 that season would be played in a bubble too. And you're right. Like, I mean, we're in October and the season isn't supposed to start till January and February. And like the colder months are like the worst time. A quick question that has nothing to do with this. So say the season starts in February. Is it still the 2021 season or is it the 2021 season, um, 2022 season? That's a good, I think it's still the 2021, because you can't just, like, skip a year, because, like, their years go in, like, two years, like, two years, like, you know what I'm saying, like, 2021. So Are they ever going to get back on schedule? (laughs) Well, okay, so there were, like, rumblings saying that Gary Bettman wanted to, this was before the Stanley Cup, so this could be, like, everything could have changed, but he was saying that um, they, like, a December start is unrealistic. But they're hoping to start in the like January, and they want to be done before the twenty one Olympics, which starts in July. So like January <laughs> to June for a full, and he wanted a full eighty two game season no. with the playoffs. Yes, and he said we're gonna try to ha- make it happen. Like we want a, a full eighty two games. The owners want that. And he was saying starting off, there would probably be no fans and then gradually bringing back fans, which I just don't see realistically it happening. But like, that's where his mind is at. Does he just like not care about the well-being of players like at all? Like they're exhausted. No, he doesn't. Well, I mean, some teams had more rest than others, to be honest. That's That's true. For some teams, it would have been a year since they played oh, if we start, like, late February. Like, we're going to talk about this later, but maybe that's why Jack wants, like, a trade. It's been a year. <laughs> Did we have anything else to say about the Batman versus Emily Kaplan versus the players? Well, or I have a question. That article was written by Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski. So, like, what's, like, who's that dig coming for? Is it coming for Emily, which I, like, I'll I'll be ready to fight? Or is it coming to Greg? And if it's coming to Greg, then I'm, like, I'm, a, like, that's, that's none of my business. Like, if you want to <laughs> clown him, I'm okay with that. I feel like Emily does most of the, um, most of the player stuff, because I think she has a pretty good relationship with players. And mm-hmm. she's the first name. So, oh, okay. I think it's more her. That's not right. I mean, honestly, like, this is, is Gary Bedman anti women? No, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about it. We should. I just, I don't think that it's fun for Gary Bettman to be like, we don't want like these, I don't know if you call them like human interest. We don't mm. want these like color pieces. We want just like analytical, like game reviews, post mortems, like all this stuff. He wants anything that's going to make the NHL look good. He doesn't care about the analytics, that's for sure. Like, he wants you, only the fluff pieces that make the NHL look like they're doing something, and they're really not. 
And you wonder why it's like pulling teeth, getting players to say anything about yeah. anything. And like in this scenario, I now I kind of understand why when like the, like earlier in the year, ever journalists were kind of like upset they weren't allowed to be in the bubble because they were like, we need to start like it, to t- keep the integrity of like journalism and like the NHL and keep them like we should be there like like asking the hard questions like and I, and when they said that I was kind of like asking the hard questions but like I guess like showing a spotlight on situations that normally we wouldn't we wouldn't know what was going on in the bubble because obviously none of the, the players are going to talk about it um but like now I like now I kind of see where they're <laughs> where they're coming from because at first I was kind of like okay you just want to go be in the bubble but now I'm just like <laughs> okay like maybe it, maybe they had some had some points. Even if she didn't use names, um, do you think or they? You know, like we said, Greg Wyshynski was also um, on she the byline. She probably wrote mo- most of it, probably. But um, even if there weren't names in the article, do you think players would have spoken about these issues in the moment, like while they were still in the bubble, or do you think they still would have waited until they had vacated the bubble to voice their concerns and complaints? I don't think we would have ever heard anything. Like, I think of, like, when Rick Bonus had the nerve to say that it's really hard in the bubble, like, being away from your families, people were talking about how hockey players were complaining and yeah. stuff like that. I think if this article hadn't come out, we wouldn't have ever, we wouldn't have ever found out about anything. Oh, yeah. And I feel like when they know that they're like, there's going to be no name attached to the quote, like they're, they're, they're they have some things to say. So moving on, this wouldn't be an us podcast if we didn't think that Jimmy Rutherford has lost his mind for a 10th time this offseason. The Penguins, for some reason, have, <laughs> they had a trade with the Florida Panthers, and they acquired defenseman Mike Matheson and Colton Seavor in exchange for Patrick Hornquist. And before we even get into, like, the details of the trade and if it was a good trade for us or not, can we talk about, like, the drama surrounding the trade and how Hornquist was traded, but then the NHL said no and nobody knew what was going to happen. Because Patrick Hornquist is supposed to have, like, full, like, health benefits. And, like, for, Florida wasn't prepared to cover something. And so they need to get it ironed out. Like, that's why it wasn't, like, official when it broke. Still, it wouldn't be a Penguins trade without a little bit of something. So, according to... What are some of your thoughts on the trade, first and foremost? Why? Yeah, my first thought was that I hate Jim Rutherford. Like, I hate him. What's he doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he has to go. He has like, to go. Like, I'm really... Like, now I'm just, like, sad. Like, I just... I don't know. Like, I just look at this team and I see so much potential. But then, like, that you put it in his hands. And, like, what's going to make me mad is that this this trade was, like, questionable and like unnecessary and like the penguins look like jokes but like i think next season the penguins are still going to be good and people are going to think this is a good trade when it's not it's not going 
to help them. Like he could really help them, but he's just not. Yeah. Now this is yeah. like I don't know what's gonna happen this this week, but like this is all like if he trades uh, Jack Johnson, then then a lot of the problems are solved. But like if he keeps Jack Johnson with Mike Matheson, I'm gonna fucking end it. Like I, <laughs> I'm gonna cry on this podcast. Like oh no, like I'm so upset. But, but that's like a good first impression because I think I act. I thought like I was like, is he actively trying to make this team worse? Because what is he doing? And we didn't hear. Because I think you could kind of be like, okay, yes, he moved Patrick Hornquist and he got these two pieces, and then we're gonna move them for like a bigger trade or we're gonna do something else. But then nothing. So it's kind of just like, why did we do this? And we took on salary. In the flat yeah. cap, we took on salary. Yeah. And that was the biggest, like, that was the biggest question mark to me. Like, if it was Mike Matheson for Patrick Hornquist, one for one, I would be confused. But, like, in my mind, Hornquist needed to be moved anyway. Like, the day that contract was signed, I know everyone, re- like, either you really like Horny or you don't You don't like the contract and that kind of bugs you. But, like, he was, he's not a top six player anymore. So, like, the Pens needed to get rid of him because he's not as productive on the the bottom like in the bottom six if that makes any sense like he's really like he he has some spurts and like sometimes you can like have him play with Sid for a game or have him play with Gino for a game but really what you should be doing is have better wingers for Gino and Sid so that you don't need to have Patrick Hornquist up there so like in my mind they needed to trade him anyway the way they did it was kind of shitty but like to get Mike Matheson I just Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And then you throw in this guy who's, like, 31 years old. And, like, after the playoffs, Jim Rutherford was like, we need to get younger. We need to get faster. We need to do all this stuff. So you go out and, buy like, get a 31-year-old that's like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited to play here. And it's like, dude, if you are in the lineup consistently, like, I'm going to have, like, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, I agree with that. And then also, I just, I don't understand because – a few weeks ago, Jim Rutherford was saying, you know, Jack Johnson, like, we want him to retire a penguin. And now he's like, well, we don't know what we're going to do with Jack Johnson. It's like, what, what is going on, sir? <laughs> he's lost it. He's I lost it. Choked. I'm not trying to be ageist. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not ageist or whatever. But that man, like, he's past his prime. Like, he can yeah. retire. Like, he has to go. I don't think, like, I'm over a, it. a younger GM need like, the guy that's going to replace him needs to come in now and just, like, like, ease the damage. Like, we all get that the Penguins are going to be bad in, like, two to three years. Probably closer to two than three. Maybe next like, year. <laughs> truly. <laughs> honestly. Like, like, we, like, the Penguins, we know, but they don't have to be that bad. Like, they don't have to be embarrassingly bad. They could just get the first overall pick. Like, they could just be bad enough for that. They don't have to be historically bad. And, like, the moves that he's making, I feel like that's how it's going to be. But, like, okay. So, right? So, like Christy said, they got Mike, Mark Matheson, Mike Matheson. They got him. They got this other old dude. And then, like, and then, like, one of Rutherford's, like, favorite things to say. And 
this is like the curse of Justin Schultz, I swear, because he's like, oh, we got this defenseman. And I feel like the addition of Todd Reardon can help Mike on his game. And it's like, why do we always need to get defensemen that need help? Why can't we just have another John Marino where he comes in and he surprises all of us and he takes over that second um, defense pairing? Why do we always have to get Why do we always have to rehab a player? Because you want to rehab Jack Johnson. Clearly, even he said it didn't work out the way they wanted to. They fired all the assistant coaches, even the two defense, defensive coaches, because of that. I mean... This is what Rutherford said. Matheson, he says he can really skate. He's got a good shot. Um, he should fit this system really well. But here's the thing. He's a left-handed shot. After this trade, the Pens have five left-handed shots. So someone's going to have to play on their offside, which never works out. Which never works out. But then, like you said, Chris uh, Kelsey, he was just saying that Johnson is really, he's going to be here forever. But now he's saying that Johnson might have to work for his position like, I don't believe that in a second. I think that's pandering to the fans because he, know, he knows how much we hate him. Jack Johnson can't even play on his, like, correct side. Don't make him play on the right. So here's who they have. They have Chris Letang, who's right. Then you have Brian Dumoulin, who's left. Then you have Michael Matheson, who's left. Marcus Pedersen, who's left. Jack Johnson, who's left. Uh, Yuso Rikula, who's left. Um who just signed in a con- like signed a contract? Why, bud? You literally like <laughs> you're gonna have to like why? But like, sure. I just don't get it. I just I'm truly baffled at this point. Patrick Hornquist is a big name, and mm-hmm. like people know him for like oh he'll get in the greasy areas and he'll mm-hmm. score you some points or whatever. So I feel like you could have. You could have gotten more for Patrick Hornquist, especially for teams that need kind of like cap space and they and they think like they're kind of close. So it's like, what did you get him for? Yeah. And you took on money. You took on money. Like we're poor. The two trades that he's done this year, like this offseason, have he's lost. Like, I don't care who says, like, oh, Cappy was a good fit. You paid, like, the fact that you gave the first round pick, who was 15th overall in a deep draft. Knowing that you don't have your first round pick next next year. Next year. And you don't have a second this year. Like, that literally, like, I know he, I know, again, Jim Rutherford does not care about the future. But, like, you have, like, it's called asset management. Kapanen is not worth a first round pick. Okay, I don't care if he was a first round pick. That the he was lower than the Penguins gave the. So like this this trade that trade and then this trade makes no sense because it's not even I don't know it just doesn't make sense like Chrissy said if he, he was going to move out Johnson and upgrade the bottom pairing defense with Matheson okay because like at best he's a he's a bottom pairing defenseman. And, like, even comparing him to Johnson, he's, like, better offensively, but he's not as, like, he's not that better defensively. So, like, you did all that to get a little bit better offensively, but, like, in a worst-case scenario, both these players are playing together. Danielle, you said that um, Jim Rutherford isn't thinking about the future, but, like, it doesn't really seem like he's thinking about the present either. He's just, like, like, he's not... If this is his win now mode, like that's horrifying. They're not going to win with this lineup. Like, what are you doing? I just don't understand why you need a defenseman you need to rehab on the bottom pair. 
And it's like not even a cheap defenseman. Like he makes four million in a flat yeah. cap where the penguins are no, up no, against no, no, no. the cap. More than Dumo to be on the bottom oh, pair, Jack Johnson. That's almost this eight million dollars. Eight million American dollars on our bottom pair. I don't in this economy? Do you see why I wanna cry? Like this is frightening. During yeah. a pandemic. <laughs> yeah this is like he has to trade jack johnson right like that's the only logical that's the only logical point like right like he has and i mean he's not being logical he's not being logical anything he does with jack johnson is going to come at a loss and we just have to accept that but it's like what is going to be like the collateral damage like who who's left like I mean, how many players were moved because Me of Jack and Johnson? you get your skates, Kelsey. Rare, oh, rare blame for the <laughs> like at this point, like I would take it. Like I would take that as a defensive pairing over Matheson and Jack Johnson. Someone useful, like trading the rights. Like before Schultz became a UFA, like trading him and Cornquist. To Florida, like if we're going to do it with Florida, to Florida for like someone useful because they have decent enough forwards. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But speaking about forwards, do you want to go to like the one good signing that Rutherford did? Jared McCann, they signed him. The Penguins signed him. I was shocked by the signing because (laughs) one, he didn't. I thought they were going to trade him. I thought they were going to trade him, too, or just, like, let him go. He, he did not have the best playoffs. I think that's fair to say. But, like, he has such a sweet face. And he, like, Jared tries. And I think that if you, like, I think he's a better winger than he is a center. But I don't know. Like, I think I thought he looked good with Malkin's line with Rust. But we only got to see it a little bit. And we the Penguins needed a center, so he had to drop down to 3C. But they still need a center. If they keep him at center and don't like switch him around, I think he can get it because that's his natural uh, position is center. So and like he likes that playmaking ability. He just needs to not be so aggressive, um, be a little oh, yeah. bit more responsible with the puck defensively as a center, which I think is fair because you're the center. Um so sometimes his, like, that. winger... Yeah, and, like, sometimes his... But I think with consistency, that'll get out. Like, because he'll be consistently a center and not, like, one game a center, one game a winger with Sid, <laughs> with Mulkin, with Sid, a, a center. So, but, yeah, that was one upside. I I like that signing because I really like Jared McCann. Yeah, and I, I thought they were going to trade him, and I completely forgot that they signed him. And it's at a pretty reasonable Yeah, it's really... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not bad. Like, I hate Jim Rutherford because sometimes he'll do moves like this that I I like and I agree with. And then he'll do trades like the Captain trade and the Matheson trade that I'm just like, what is going on? Like, no. Yeah. Before we get into, like, free agency, yeah. Are there any Penguins that aren't signed that you want the Penguins to sign? As of right now, unsigned... I'm not even going to say Patrick Marlowe. Um, Connor Sheary, <laughs> Sam Lafferty, bring him back. Dominic Simone, and Anthony 
Angelio. <laughs> That's how much I know that guy. Anthony A. Of those boys, probably Sam Lafferty. And it hurt me not to say Connor Sherry. Oh. Did it? I did. We're okay. We can go. We're good. I was going to say, um, I kind of expect them to sign Dominic Simone and Lafferty. Don't know Anthony at all. You don't know him? No. Okay. I agree with the Simone. I think Simone definitely gets re-signed. I think Lafferty does too. My only question with him is that if his contract is one way or two way. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, in some points, I really did like Sam Lafferty. But in other points, I was just kind of like, mm, I, he can go. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I mean, I know that he's 25, but I still felt that he, like, had potential. Yeah. And I just felt like he was still, you know, getting getting used to being with the with the big club. So if there's one thing Pittsburgh love, it's a Pittsburgh boy. It's a Pittsburgh boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> John Gibson. <laughs> like, come home. Right, right. Come home. Come home. Um. Uh, we didn't talk about the, I guess, the goalies. Which one? Oh, oh are they expecting? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Do you know? Yeah. Okay. We don't have I'll to. cry. I, I will weep. Do you want that? No. Why is I was, Casey Smith signed and they're not? Like, no, because remember, remember they signed him because they thought he was good for like a second? Yeah. Well, they only sent him down because of the cap hit. Like, Jari was cheaper. And then Jari was actually good. And everyone was like, what? And I was just like... We've been, been telling you, yeah. <laughs> but I, I got really excited, Christy, because I thought we were going to talk about Enrique. <laughs> yeah, the Rangers wasted someone's career, but <laughs> I wonder if Lundqvist is going to like retire or he's going to try to like test free agency. I think it's time to might be best to kind of just pack so it up. So I heard that he wants to test free agency because he wants to play. But here's the thing. Like, he doesn't want to automatically go into a team where he's going to be the backup. He wants to fight for the starting role. And if he doesn't win it, then he, like then that's good with him. But he wants to at least get the opportunity to play, like, to, to fight for the starting role. Yeah. I think he should just gracefully go back to Sweden and be, like, the Swedish Patrick Sharp. <laughs> that would be fun. See, I I'm gonna say something, and I know you guys are probably. I know you like, know. I know how you feel about this already. You don't need to say it. I already know. You well, don't think he's attractive? <laughs> Lundquist or Patrick Sharp? <laughs> Lundquist. She loves Patrick Sharp. <laughs> I was like, how did you know that? I feel like we we've talked about it before. Well, like, let me have the floor. Like, you don't have to like take away my moment just because you've heard it before. Okay? Like, Jesus. No, because I know you're because I know you're just gonna be like, this might be an unpopular opinion because I'm Danielle and I like to go against the grain, but (laughs) I just that was bad. I I genuinely don't find him that attractive. Like to say he's like the Swedish Patrick Sharp is like shocking because Patrick Sharp is like a solid 100 out of 10. Like, it was jarring to see him every night on my TV during the playoffs. It was a pleasant surprise. But he, he was definitely showing oh, Chicago, okay. like, too much love. Yeah. He was. he was like, did you see the way that uh, Johnny Taze blinked? Like, that's a captain. And I was like, all right. Well, like, let's see some other captains <laughs> he blink. 
day in, day out, every night, and doesn't miss a doesn't miss a blink. But he does. He never. He's serious about his blinking. And I'm like, all right, let's test Blake Wheeler's blinking. Yeah, we should talk about Blake Wheeler some more. Yeah. Um. Oh, let's talk about some potential trades. Speaking of Blake Wheeler, he might be without a winner. Oh. Are you actually a devil? Like, here's the thing. The reason why Line A is not on the top line is because of who? Blake Wheeler. (laughs) I don't want to talk about this. So, now that the offseason is officially here, every day is a new trade. Every day, somebody, your favorite player is on your most hated team. So, (laughs) let's talk about, I guess, the kind of more basic one. So Oliver Ekman Larson, he modified his no move clause and he included that he would be okay with going to Vancouver or Boston, which is kind of, I don't know. I I feel like that was surprising to me. I thought he would want to stay down there, but I guess he wasn't getting paid either. So, yeah, I just feel like the Coyotes, wait, he's the captain of the Coyotes, right? Yeah. I just feel like the Coyotes are just a mess. GM left. They were like penalized doing something in the draft, the players aren't getting paid. Like, there's a lot going on in Arizona. And, like, it has to be telling when the captain wants to leave, you know? Like, I just feel like that's, like, really something. I like that he put Vancouver on his list because I think this playoff round, I think a lot of people saw that, like, listen, Vancouver's not perfect. They're not perfect. They're not, like, a Tampa but they have potential and like the a lot of their core that you're going to hear about they're very young so i can understand why someone who genuinely wants to get into the playoffs and win around and and make some noise would put them in there i think like that to me made me feel good because i do think that vancouver opened a lot of people's eyes this off season i think out of the two teams it kind of makes like, oh, yeah, Boston would do that kind of sense because they don't know about Chara. They're going to lose Tory Krug. So they need like a dependable defenseman. Um, but I do think Boston has more questions on their roster that people kind of kind of dismiss because they have like David Pasternak and Patrice Bergeron and stuff. What I personally would like to see I think I would like him on Vancouver. <laughs> I would I would rather him, like, out of the two teams, I would rather him go to Vancouver. I don't know how they would swing it cap-wise because they have to sign a few people, but I I would like that for me personally because he, <laughs> Arizona is, like, a toxic environment, and I do feel bad for the players having to hear everything going on with your team and then trying to focus on hockey at the same time. Moving on to another name that's kind of been out there in trade rumors or whatever. So my dear friend, my son, Patrick Line, is once again on the trade block. I personally wouldn't want to trade him if I was the Jets, but they are in a situation and they need to cut salary, I guess. So he's very talented and I wouldn't want him to leave Winnipeg necessarily but do you think that like something has to give and like is it better to be traded than to like play several seasons thinking you're going to be traded or knowing that it's a possibility 
would you rather just like go somewhere and have some i don't know some st stability not that he doesn't have that in winnipeg but like there's there's been that question for several years now and i i see what you're saying i i'm also kind of like if you ask line a if he wanted to play with this group of people he would say yes but i do kind of I do, I do kind of agree with you in like the feeling of walking around the arena or whatever and knowing people want to actively get rid of you. That must be like really draining. Mm -hmm. um, I know he hasn't asked for a trade, but it kind of reminds me of Alex Galchenyuk when he was in Montreal and how he was always, always on like, like he was always in rumors, always in like, oh, he might be potentially traded. And then eventually they just did it. So I think that that's kind of what it's like with line A. I personally would hate it. I don't think the Jets would win the trade. But yeah, it just kind of feels like they don't like like they don't like him. Or it's either that or like people see that line A is like, oh, he's a goal scorer and he's had issues with management over there um, about his contract or whatever. So they must want to trade him and and they're trying just to get him. Because if you're looking at like the Jets wingers, I wouldn't go after line A. Because people always downplay him and be like, oh yeah, he's he only scores goals. He's terrible defensively. So why, like, why would you want him? Like, if it's just empty calorie goals when Nikolai Ehlers is there and he's cheaper. If they if they trade Line, it literally doesn't make sense. And I feel like Line is getting bashed for the GM's mistake. Because, like, here's the thing. The biggest need that the Jets have is at fucking 2C. So, like... I mean, for all the people that are just like, oh, Line is just an empty. All he does is score goals. That's it. Okay. Like, he's like he's doing this with, like, a shitty center. Like, imagine what an actual 2C could do for him. And, like, that's all he's saying is, like, if you put me with someone that could keep up with me speed-wise, that could keep up with me, like, play-wise, like, I could be scoring 50 goals for this team. And I think he's right. Like, the, like at the end of the day, everyone keeps talking about Line A. And, like, maybe it's just because he's been in the league since he was 18. So it's, like, been four years. But, like, he's only 22. Like, he still is not even at his prime. Like, he's, like, entering his prime. And, like, everyone's right. like, oh, well, they say that he's a little Ovechkin. But Ovechkin was scoring so much more than him at that. Like, okay, you can Ove be a Ove younger. Like, Backstrom with him. Yeah. Almost like, consistently. Well, like, not in the beginning. But, like, I think, like, right now in his career, he did but like that's the thing is that like oh like you don't have to like a player can be good like a, a player can be great and not and not be Ovechkin like he could deserve his value and he not be Ovechkin like he like but we never we will never know if Lining is not that player that scores 50 goals after 50 goals if you don't get him a center that can actually play and that's on Chevy that's the problem and so everyone's blaming this on line a when all line a is doing is asking what everyone else sees on Winnipeg is that they need a second line center they who's gonna stay like uh Paul Stastny didn't stay um Kevin Hayes didn't stay and every time it goes back to Brian Little who is like injured he can't even like play the whole season he's, he's, like here's the thing with Chevy he doesn't make trades just to make trades 
Like, this guy would go years without making a trade if he wants to. Like, he's not going to make a trade unless he literally has to. And he doesn't have to trade line A. And I think it was Elliot Friedman that said, there's only two places that have what the Jets want. And I think they're they're asking for a good amount for line A, if they ever trade him, which they, they shouldn't, but they're asking for a lot. I think I, I don't think this trade is going to go through. And there's no, like, good available centers and free agency and it's already tough to get anyone to come to Winnipeg unless they're like drafted but I did see an option that would get Winnipeg like kind of like a center I don't know how good he's gonna be because he had a rough playoffs but I saw someone say Tyler Johnson to Winnipeg and I was just like okay that's not too bad like that is that's no Cody Eakin who is but it's better than Tyler Johnson. He's on the bolts. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was like a decent because the bolts have to get rid of people. So I thought that was decent enough. And like they have the cap space. And then that means they wouldn't have to resign Cody Eakin or Mark Latestu. Yeah, that that's the only thing. But I don't want them to give up anybody also. Yeah, I just don't think they should trade line A, for sure. If it has to happen, I hope it's, like, someplace I like. Yeah. Bob McKenzie just decided, hey, I'm just going to come in, <laughs> drop this tweet, <laughs> drop these tweets, and then I'm going to be out. So. <laughs> Do you ever, did you see that meme where it's, like, it's uh, the lady from Glee, and she's like, I'm going to create a, an environment that's so toxic. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was Bob McKenzie at the time. <laughs> But the first tweet starts off with, imagine my surprise when I started making calls today and heard Jack Eichel trade rumors, including unverified chatter he may have at some point recently requested a trade out of Buffalo and that New York and that the New York Rangers were amongst interested teams. This, of course, required further investigation. I hear that trade talk a lot. Eichel's agent, Peter Fisher, said, Jack Jack wants to win. He's frustrated, but no, he doesn't want out. Jack is preparing to head to Buffalo at some point here and prepare for the season, whenever that may be. That's all he controls. The messaging out of Buffalo is Savers aren't shopping Eichel. There's no real desire to trade him. But since Kevin Adams became new GM, several clubs have called about Eichel's availability. The New York Rangers believed to be one of those teams that called. So calls were made, calls were taken. None of those talks with other clubs resulted in Eichel trade traction, but it's also believed that there's been dialogue between Eichel and Buffalo to ensure they both want the same thing and share and share the same timetable. So sooner rather than later. So the face value re- review appears as follows. Eichel doesn't want out of Buffalo. Buffalo doesn't want to trade Eichel. Moving along, nothing to see here. Fair enough. But some rumors are worth checking out slash mentioning, which I've done now. Now back to draft prep. Like, is Bob McKenzie chaotic? (laughs) He said all of that to say, yeah, they don't want (laughs) they don't want to ruin this relationship, but just wanted to share. I mean, like, I didn't put too much thought into this because like the last sentence, he's like, oh, no, no, that's going to happen. Why would he say that if it was 
Like if like somebody wanted him to say that, whether it's Jack's agent or I, I don't know, like, but because Bob McKenzie's not the type of reporter to just like spew shit on the wall and see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. Like he like only talks about the stuff that he specifically has heard. So it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't put it past Jack to want to ask for a trade, but I thought that was like over once he got got the C. But I mean, the, the Sabres are so like crazy right now. So I could see why he would want to be moved. I don't know. You know, I'm like, I have, I'm hard. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to care about the Sabres, but like, I could care about the Sabres. I hate it. Are the Sabres the Arizona Coyotes of the East? (laughs) Because they have a lot going on with not much on the ice. But I have, I kind of have a little conspiracy theory that I thought of, Danielle, once you said like, who would want this out? And in my honest opinion, I think it benefits the Rangers to have this out. to Because, like, no, he cannot go there. No. Okay, I'm not saying no. that he's going to go there, but it does benefit them to kind of have it out there. And then you have people being like, actually, you know what? He would be a good fit on the Rangers because then they would have that center depth that they've been lacking. And then, you know, he could play with... Capo Caco or Artemi Panarin or whatever, or Lafreniere or whatever. So I think it benefits them to have him, to have this information out there. I don't know how they would make it work because Jack makes a lot of money, but then they just bought out Henrik Lundqvist. So they could probably make it, possibly make it work. So I don't know. But that's my conspiracy theory. I had another conspiracy theory. (laughs) Okay, well, let me just say, let me just get that one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Would Mackenzie do that if a team wanted him to do that? Because that just seems like that just puts strain on like the the GM, the team, and Jack's agent. Like he's I doesn't I don't think he's the type of person to put out stuff that's just like um just like oh teams are like hey do this hey do that to fuck up them like you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying like other beat reporters I probably would but like Mackenzie everyone knows like his words law unless the Rangers are talking to Jack's agent and Jack's like I maybe I don't know like I I just I don't know I feel like it has to come from like the agent to okay that mm-hmm. because why would he have that quote from the agent you know what I'm saying like that's yeah. specific quote so I don't know okay Kelsey now how are you gonna hurt me with this one <laughs> no mine is mine is very wholesome and innocent oh I think what I thought as you were um, you know, laying out the situation. I was like, well, maybe there were like rumblings of something like that. And Bob McKenzie was like, no, I'm going to set the record straight before anyone can be like, try to start drama and be like, Jack Eichel wants out and he's going to go straight to the source. He's going to go straight to the agent. And the agent is like, no, you know, explaining the situation. And Bob McKenzie just said, there you go. Don't believe, you know, the hype that you hear or anything like that. Though, there's probably more drama than that, but I'm just that's like what I the thought. Rangers are like, hey, like let's create a world so fucking toxic. And Bob, <laughs> hey, 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 enough, New York, <laughs> like settle it down. Yeah, and they're Jack, like, all right, like, let's be toxic. Ten million dollars a year. Yeah, and he deserves it. I don't want to hear that he doesn't. He's good. I don't care. I don't care. He's good. Don't say he I'm, does not deserve that. 
Okay, I wasn't going to say that. I just didn't know how much money he was making. I thought he was making like $8 million a, m- a year. Oh, no, baby. Jeff Skinner, though. He got that money when he could. That's what I'm saying. Like, Jack seemed like he was so settled in Buffalo. Like, he took the C. He took $10 million. Like, you don't take $10 million and think, oh, this is a contract someone could, like, you know, could be traded. Like, no, that's a hefty hit, my my dude. Like, Yeah. But do you, do you remember... I think it was one of our first shows when we were talking about how players very rarely leave the teams that draft them because they kind of get so comfortable and that's where they kind of make their roots and they kind of convince themselves of the future. But looking at Buffalo and what is happening, like, I don't see it. Like, I think for... 100% 100% sure they need to get better scouts because yeah. almost none of their draft picks like will work out except for like Jack and Rasmus. Yeah. I mean, I think that's Reinhardt worked out too. Damn Reinhardt. Oh, I was, with, I thought he was on the flames for some reason. But, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that, but they also like need to understand like it's, you could say, like, draft better, but also develop better. Because still, mm-hmm. the players that, that they did draft have skill. Like, Casey Middlestat should not have gone right, like, one year in college and then go to pro. Straight to the NHL. Like, he, like, first of all, in Minnesota, they only play against high school teams. So, he needed to play against bigger guys. And then, like, you couldn't have, like, I know he's the eighth overall, but he shouldn't have been your 2C. Like, he just shouldn't. So, like, this move to get Eric Stahl is, like, three years too late, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, this concludes this episode of Where's My Where's My Stick. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at where's my, where's underscore my underscore stick. Follow us. Tell a friend. And, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.